Welcome to the Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So, tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we have a lot to cover. There was a Sea of Thieves podcast I want to break down, talk about some of the things that we got for hints for Season 8. I also got to do the adventure, uh, the latest adventure, Adventure uh, 8, Herald of the Flame, and I want to talk about that. So, there's going to be some spoilers at the end just as a, a heads up and then I have to I have to go into some of the feedback because you guys all sent in a ton of feedback um, there's a special message from a good friend from the past uh, that we'll be sharing and I just uh, want to talk about that so let's let's get into it but before we get into any of that, I have to thank the patrons because they are the ones that are supporting this content just like you can if you head over to patreon.com forward slash Keelhauled podcast. So shout out to the gold hoarders who are People's Republic, Elcute, Balls, Bam Bam Bagel, Captain Hasco, Captain Ace, Chateau Neuf, Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Static Mirror, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fergatron, Trickster, Jabaro5, Carl Embo, Kazia the Rogue, Lumpy SRQ, Lumpy SRQ sorry Lumpy, uh, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike 29, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Raja the Brave, Registella, Replicated Flame, Rust Belt Kid, Norwegian, Skamelt 666, Sudesh, Captain Dasm, That Kilted Guy, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Pack, Music Me, The Lord Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Heger Owl, I'm st- I still like pause before I'm saying that Ghost Boy 20, Evil Marfa, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Thor Von Blitz, Windsor Chris and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. It really does help me out uh, and helps make keep the dream alive. It helps kind of make things happen. So thank you all so much. And uh, I look forward to our, our Gold Hoarder episode at the end of each month. First up on today's docket, let's talk about the Sea of Thieves podcast that happened this week. Uh, I had Joe Neat, Mike Chapman, uh, John McFarlane, and Drew Stevens, all either producers, content creators, or managers. Oh, not content creators. What is uh, what is Mike? Mike is just, he's the lore guy. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, what they talked about on this latest episode. I'm going to give you the short and skinny of it because I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, a lot of it was kind of vagary, but we did get some good teases for season eight. Now, a lot, and I know a lot of you insiders are, are laughing on insiders, but for those of you who haven't been spoiled, we got some good news that the new way to play is going to be focused on PvP. Um, and given that the end of the venture for the Herald of the Flame ended the way it did, I, I'm very excited to see where this is going because if it's PvP focused after playing Adventure 8, I have an idea of what we might be getting. And I'm kind of excited for that because I think they'll actually be doing the thing that I want them to do. Um, so we'll have to figure out how that goes. But one of the things that they did say for sure was is that they want wanted this to feel immersive, that they wanted it to play into the way the world and the story around going on was uh, was was playing into it. So it's not just going to be like, a, oh, we're opening up arena again, because I don't think that's going to happen. But um, I think that they're going to go back to kind of what was happening back in the day uh, when we got the mercenary missions back in 2019 where they have voyages for you to go do stuff and uh, everyone gets the same voyage everyone gets the same map so you know where people are going to be so people are going to be kind of congregating in certain areas now 
how that ties into Herald of the Flame, um, I, I don't think that really does. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be a little more focused on Reaper's bones, um, just given the nature of, of the, the enemy that we're dealing with or the enemies that we're dealing with in this case and uh, them wanting to focus on doing more PvP. I guess the big question that really comes into play here is how will the servers handle the scrutiny uh, for things going on? Um, what kind of rewards are they going to be doing? Because one of the, the discussions that came up in the question um, later on in the episode actually pertained to uh, the lack of milestones for PvP. And they said that that kind of content is actually going to be coming in Season Eight, and they didn't want to put it in early because they knew going into season seven how much pvp was going to play a focus in season eight so i'll be very curious to find out like what these milestones are how are they going to be introduced how are they going to incentivize this because it looks like given that they had their um their their creator crew the the partners that they talked to and a lot of the insider feedback uh that has has been in the forums um, from people testing this it looks as though they've got a better idea on how to make sure that they are introducing a new way to uh join in on pvp that can't be cheesed because i think that's really what it comes down to is they want to make sure that the people that are accomplishing uh, these PvP feats are going to do so in as a legitimate way as possible. You know, not just trading wins uh, in Arena back when Arena was was a thing. So uh, I'll, I'll be very curious to see especially how this ties into the lore. And a lot of that is just because of uh, Herald of the Flame with this latest adventure. I think I really do think that this adventure is probably one of my favorites. I really do. Um, but I'll get into that later on. Kind of the overview, I will say, is uh, they they did a really fantastic job of making an Indiana Jones film for me with this latest adventure. And I'll kind of get into a little bit more about that. But I definitely think this is probably one of my favorite adventures. I think they've utilized uh, what what's in the game so far um, very well. And they've been able to do some really interesting things with it. So I'll, I'll be talking a little bit about that when we get later into the episode. But overall, positive impressions. Uh, one of the things that I am kind of wondering about that kind of pertains back to the podcast is Mike talked about how the environment work for this upcoming season is some of the best work that he's seen since A Pirate's Life. And if you remember, A Pirate's Life was... Uh, taking us into portals and um, transporting us to new locations that we've never seen. So uh, we had the swamps where Teodoma, uh, her her uh, cabin hut, uh, I don't know what you'd really call it, house, home, uh, bayou, uh, campsite, I don't know. Uh, her place in, in A Pirate's Life very early on, it was very beautiful too. In one of the, the criticisms that I had of that thing is, is that I, I wish there was a little bit more stuff going on. I think the atmosphere was fantastic by the way the fact that you had uh the blue bayou or the the, the bayou um uh, uh restaurant kind of as the galleon wreckage to get the rowboat it's it, all of it really good but then we also had other places like there was like the actual uh um uh cities and and forts uh and then we had like the actual places of of uh the sea of the damned where we got to actually see um, who was it? The cursed captain for the first time, you know, and Captain Bones uh, playing chess in the in the the, the actual wreckage um, in the tavern. So, you know, if Mike talks about the fact that the environment work 
has is some of the best that he's seen since a pirate's life i'm very curious to understand like what he means by that like are we getting a change to the actual world in the, na- in the in, like natural uh sea of thieves or is this something that's actually going to be going on um in a portal in in a world that is outside of the sea of thieves preferably something that would probably take place in the sea of the damned given the nature of where a lot of stuff has been going on and if that's the case i'm i'm very interested I'm not excited because I haven't seen it yet, but I am very curious to to understand what they're talking about when they talk about this, because I can't really imagine anything that looks as as extravagant uh, or or as elaborate as what we got with a pirate's life given the the amount of time that the the team had to work on a pirate's life and uh compare that to what they've been rolling out with uh the different seasons as well as the 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 the, the size of the content for those like it's hard to know roughly like which team was working on this how how much time did they have how much lead-in did they have going into it and uh, how how did they plan that going into the story? You know, it's very curious stuff about um, how much effort is has been put into this season compared to other seasons. Um, and it, and it was clear that uh, some of the conversation around seasons they were talking about how captaincy um, was met with some interesting criticisms and uh, i think fair criticisms fair criticisms because um they they had the idea of captaincy a long time ago and it, it they had to hold off on it but they ended up building it out and the more they built out the more they realized that a lot of the stuff that they wanted to do for rewards was stuff that was not currently being tracked in the game and this is a you know this is an old hat story for most of us so i won't rehash all of it but it is nice to know that um they know that there's good ideas out there that tie to the history of sea of thieves um and i think tomas was uh the one that actually sent in the question that talked about being rewarded for past events that you took part in and i think that's one of those little like uh feather in a cap situations where um i was there for curse sales i was there for the devil's roar uh things like that are fantastic and i've got the cosmetics to prove that i was there but um to have a milestone that rewards a trophy or a trinket trinket that's in line with the same premise of the shrouded ghost um, is a very interesting one not one that i necessarily need um i would not turn it down but it's definitely a a cool idea to think about like the potential behind that like what what could you get that would represent um say like the curse sales in that case you know could it could it be something beyond just the the actual cosmetics that we have both for our pirates our weapons our equipment and our ship uh because i mean if you were there then you really do have just about everything to to really show that hey I was there during this time. I have those sales that that say like I got these captains and stuff done at the time. So very curious to kind of see like what would a milestone for those events look like? And where does it start? Where does it end? Because in the first year we had three major events. Uh, we had the Hungering Deep, we had the Cursed Sails, and we had the Devil's Roar. And if you want to get really technical, we had Shrouded Spoils at the very, very end of uh, the year in 2018. But after that, it was uh, anniversary update when we got the original Tall Tales. And we got some Pirate Legend stuff that happened uh, right before there. So if you, you were Pirate Legend prior to the first year anniversary, you got special cosmetics. So I feel like Rare has always done a good job of rewarding us for the most part for things that were special. Um, I don't think that we need cosmetics for everything. Like it, it, asking for cosmetics for everything 
I don't know about that. I don't think I need that because I would say a fair amount of us generally like the way we look. We have a look, we have a feel, and it's taken us years and we may not know like what the future may hold. It could drastically change our decision to look a certain way. Uh, but for the meantime, I would say most of us are pretty content with the way that we look. Um, I think if anything, the one the one thing that I, I constantly hear that resonates within the community is that we want to have... Uh, more pirate pirate kind of uh, cosmetics like you know we want the um uh, the 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 striped pants the bustiers the the big fluffy white t-shirts from seinfeld you know we want stuff like that big big nice hats big tricorn hats things like that uh so that that's really like i think the one thing i can think of aside maybe from like a skeleton curse that i typically hear um, that actually could be done. Obviously, things like the uh, the costumes. A lot of folks want the costumes to be broken up so that you can equip certain pieces, things like that. Um, but I am really curious because I know that uh, we're supposed to be getting loadouts uh, for our our clothing uh, that was uh, uh, teased from Mike, I believe, at EGX that was then passed on to me. Um, and I think that was actually in one of our, our community uh, community episodes. I think it was the end of was it the end of September or was it the end of August maybe that uh, that we got to hear from those in EGX? I guess it must have been September because that was when EGX was, right? Anyway, moving on. Um, I really love that. I love that the the insider feedback has been uh, incredible and according to them and has been uh, something that has really helped out with this. It's good to know that, especially given that uh, a lot of the insiders don't will won't always report stuff or um, may not be giving like the best feedback. I keep hearing tales about stuff that could have been that uh, that the that the insider said no to, and I was like, ah, I feel like that could have been tested a little bit more um, given some of those ideas, but. Also, at the same time, it's it's a it's a public outcry. You know, they're the ones that are the most interested in in keeping the game the way that that works for them, right? Uh, and they've uh, oh, so that's kind of it, I guess. Really, I'm looking at my notes here, and I, I feel like that's kind of covered uh, the season eight teases. Um, it was good to get verbal confirmation on the podcast that the Pirate Legend curse will come back at some point. Uh, again, this was that level 100 reward for season one, uh, people, for for those of you who were there. Um, it does feel very integral to being a Pirate Legend, given that it is the Pirate Legend curse, and it's the only Pirate Legend um, item that doesn't have like a, uh, it isn't part of the normal set or it isn't something that you can acquire anymore. Um, even with like the weapons, you can acquire the, uh, the weapons just by leveling up through Athena's fortune. If you didn't do the arena content and, uh, given that a arena was something that was a separate mode that was then shut down a little different than what I think seasons are and what seasons could be as far as the rewards, given the precedent of them bringing them bringing content back that was uh integral to a gameplay style and i argue that role play is an integral part of of uh role or of of gameplay because you can you can look like a, a, a white sales sailor with uh, nothing to your name and be a, a you know sweaty uh pirate legend who's who's out there for all the gold that they can get um and in looking a certain way is very integral to how you approach situations and and if you don't believe me just look at the dark adventurer sales um 100 reason how you what, what you can think of someone given how a lot of players have taken to dressing in certain fashions right anyway let's move into the next little bit 
so some of the other questions uh, were, were kind of funny. Um, I, I thought it was funny that there was a question about something that uh, or like what's going to happen with the upstairs of the tavern, right? Every up, every tavern has an upstairs and there's always been those broken stairs. And Mike had mentioned that he thought that 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 was something that had been talked about on a podcast. And I, I am here to confirm, Mike, yes, we, we did in fact talk about that on Keelhauld, uh one of the times that you were on the show. And uh, we did talk about how uh, Maiden's Voyage was the actual, uh, the, the, the full-fledged version of what the upstairs of a tavern was intended to be for new players. Um, and I and I do have to say, I really do think that that was the right choice. In fact, I would go even further to say that not only is it the right choice, but I think it would be even cooler if you could have it so that all of your friends um, who are playing the game for the first time, like say you get, because that's that's kind of the thing, right, is um, trying to tailor that, that tutorial for people. Um, but making sure that if you had a way to log into the Maiden Voyage um, with a crew, then perhaps there were different challenges, ones that uh, you could do with your team to actually make sure that uh, you could learn how to work together to be able to do something. And, and I, would, I would kind of look at the, um, that the final rung of that tall tale, if, it, if, if you want to consider it a tall tale, it's considered in the game a tall tale. But if you want to look at that final rung, uh, then everyone could be in an instanced version of the Maiden Voyage up until the point where they get on their ship. And then when they get on their ship, uh, they wake up on the ship and uh, they are able to sail out towards the Sea of Thieves. They're in a galleon or a brig or a sloop, what have you. And they then have to take on uh, the challenges that are met in the actual uh, channel of the the shroud that you're sailing through where you have like all the different entities like a skeleton ship and a kraken and a megalodon uh, I think it would be very interesting to see if you could have a version of that that was a little tougher actually forced you to do something in there as opposed to just kind of afking your way to the end but allowed players to get a little taste of what it's like to use the cannons on actual enemies, understanding like the arc, you know, just before they kind of get into the game. Give them a little opportunity to have to learn how to uh, repair and deal with on taking on damage um, as they're getting into the actual Sea of Thieves because, you know, it's a fight for your life to get in. Um, I think that could be represented uh, a little a little better in the maiden voyage, especially if you're logging into the into the actual maiden voyage with a crew and you can cho choose, you know, do you want to run it solo? Or do you want to run with a crew? If you do uh, load into this front end aspect of the main voyage you know you can set up your crew the way you normally would and then set out and you wake up on the maiden voyage and you all kind of work together on your own version of it uh, or do different aspects of it something like that i don't know what do you all think do you think that that tutorial should stay kind of solo so that it focuses on one person doing something and if so do people just escape out of it or would they stay in it if they had other people in there that um, that were also working on it as well? Do you think they'd stay more engaged with the actual main voyage as opposed to exiting and then going back into the into the main menu to get their ship when they realize they're not playing with their friends and that they're missing out on the tutorial? Um, very curious to hear what you guys think about that. Thank you. 
Let's see. Uh, one of the other things, uh, there's a great joke about sleep paralysis and the and the pirate lord um, appearing next to your bed as and getting a title a title called the sleep paralysis demon um, by waking up having to deal with the Ramses like right next to your bed in the sloop. Um, and then one of the questions was actually, will we get tall tales versus adventures? And this was a very interesting question because it's one that I, I myself had actually asked, like, were they done with tall tales? Because I feel like there is always room for the story to be ever present in the form of a tall tale. But I also understand that having continual persistent content in the game causes issues in the for in, in the future um, in ways that are not always presented when you're first making the tall tale, especially when you introduce things like checkpoint systems. So the the response here from Mike was was eloquent, basically saying that there are no significant plans right now. It really does come into the uh, the the area of does it work for the story and do they have the time? And if those two things match up on the graph, then you find out that uh, you will get some new, some new tall tales. Otherwise, the adventures will kind of be that ever presence, uh, or excuse me, ever present monthly content that moves the story of Sea of Thieves forward just a little bit with some of the key characters in the game. Um, these are never meant to replace tall tales, which is ironic because I think the adventures have done a fantastic job of uh, doing these without having the overhead of of implementing tall tales. In their current state and especially in when i when i'm speaking to this um i'm speaking to the replayability of tall tales replayability being that you have to go you have to get all the journals you have to go and uh, do them multiple times and then after you've done them multiple times especially with the original where you had to do them five times each um and get like the 10 journals out of uh the the golden sand or golden sands one the very final one uh with um, um with the the oh my gosh why am i forgetting uh, Rathbone's name, I guess it's just Rathbone, Gold Hoarder, there we go, uh, doing those on repeat to kind of sustain the content, to, to kind of give it life beyond just the initial playthrough, and a, a reason to bring in different crews, because uh, doing it with different crews effectively helps you get those other uh, playthroughs, but it doesn't feel like it's, it's old content because um, you're still progressing through the commendation, right? And to try and create a tall tale that hits as perfectly as what I will say Heart of Fire does, because uh, I do believe Heart of Fire is the epitome of what a tall tale should be. There's free, there's there's three paths that you can take, so each playthrough can be unique. Uh, there's slight variances in how those paths uh, treat you as you're kind of working through that that playthrough. Um, and the narrative is really great. There's a cinematic ending, and when you get done, you get rewarded, and it pops you right back out where you started. Now, if I take a look at adventures, and I look at what adventures do, adventures start in, at the tavern. They kick you out somewhere to go meet up with someone. You do a little bit of traveling around, maybe a little bit of content, a little action here and there, and then you start off, uh, and then you head back to where you started uh, the, the actual proper channel of it. So you go, you do something interesting. You only have to do it once, maybe twice, if you didn't catch all the little, the little things with it, and then it kicks you right back to where you started, and it's perfect. It's a, it's a great little little gameplay loop and we've 
obviously have talked about adventures a lot in the past and, and no one should be really new uh, or, or unsure of what these are. But I do think that given that these go away, um, the story is still lost to people who didn't actually play through the adventures or only got to play through them once or had a bad experience and maybe stopped halfway through or were confused about how to actually do them. And at that point, there's not there's still not really a good way for us to uh, have that story persistent in the game, which is what I want. I always want to have something that is available to people for them to understand and see what has transpired in the past to better understand what can uh, be said about what's going to happen in the future, right? You want to keep players engaged in the lore because that's why they're sticking around. If it's not the gameplay loop, then it's going to be the lore. Those are two factors of a game that really keep people uh invested and if you if, if you're not sure if you don't believe me um go look at destiny 2 because it's either the gameplay you're in it for the raids you're in it for the strikes for the gear grind you want to get the highest power level you want to get the god rolls or you're in it for the lore and you're making two three four hour videos like bife does uh on the different races and the history of uh those those races as they were kind of slowly culminating into this this uh pool of characters that you pull from anytime there's a new content update for destiny 2 and those are generally the two sides of a game that that you can really connect with you can either connect with the actual game mechanics or you can connect with the story that's that's uh serving the game mechanics and why you're there right otherwise we'd be sitting around playing tetris or pong because that's all there is there's you know you got more story with pac-man than you do tetris but you're either in it for the story or you're in, in it for the gameplay um, in most games, the ones that do really, really well, uh, find that beautiful melding of the two, right? Games that are, that are some of the best remembered games are some of the ones that had the least resistance when it came to playing the game, but also had the most, in, most interesting of stories to keep you invested in the characters you were playing around. Uh, weird way to kind of pack, uh, wax poetic about adventures. Um, but I really feel that right now. Like I feel like adventures are probably some of the best content that, uh, rare is, is putting out right now, even with the variance in how they're, um, how they're accepted like in the community because i do think that not all of the adventures are equal uh as far as quality or or in and uh storytelling but i do think that for the most part um the adventures have been a boon to the game as a whole and it's doing the thing that i wanted it to do which was be more like destiny 2 because i think destiny 2 really has hit its stride as far as content release uh for each season right so fantastic job I, I really do. I'm I'm okay not getting tall tales as long as we're getting the story moving forward through the adventures. I'm, I've accepted it and I understand it. And I even kind of like what we get, like uh, talking about the Herald of the Flame here, getting the, um, the oh, I wrote it down because I knew I was going to forget this. The uh, quencher, quencher, quencher of flames, quencher. It's that word I keep thinking in my head is quencher, but there's no L. Uh, so the quencher of the flame uh, in Stitcher Stitches. Um, two rewards that come as a result of the Herald of the Flame, which, by the way, ends in two weeks. So make sure you're getting out there and doing that. Um, those cosmetics, uh, th those those cosmetic rewards, I should say, because it's more than just a jacket, uh, are fantastic. Very well done. And, and it's great to see these adventures really kind of showcasing the little memento that you get from them for for a way to to say like, OK, well, with uh, Curse Sales, you know, you got the 
the livery set for uh, the 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 bone curse or the bone cruise stuff. You know, you got that uh, ashen stuff for the devil's roar. You got the uh, the hungering one stuff um, for hungering deep. Uh, and and uh, it's it's just nice to have these little things and they don't have they don't necessarily have to be a whole set i kind of like having just like one or two little things uh that we can throw on because that's that's kind of what's fun about you know use playing this paper doll game and if you don't understand the reference look up paper dolls and you'll understand like what the reference is but for all intents and purposes this is a, a pirate paper doll game and i love dressing up my pirate in different ways and i, I think it's fun um, that's what I, that's where I derive some of my enjoyment from the game coast, but I, I like the adventure mementos that we've been getting feel very great. I I'm, I'm totally fine with what we've had so far. I can't, can't really say that I've had any complaints as of late cause they've all varied and they're all themed. And I think that's what really, that's what really kind of sparks the memory, right? Is that connected theme to what you did when you, when, what, you know, this is the thing that shows I was there. It's like the the sea dog lantern for the uh, the mystery which speaking of the mystery let's dive into that because i feel like i'm going on too too long about that but um it was really kind of cool to hear them talk about the mystery because the mystery is solved and spoilers if you if you haven't played through the end of the the mystery um i'll give you the next 10 seconds to plug your ears or, or mute the uh the thing or skip forward uh but for all intents and purposes having the mystery be the sire siren queen uh who killed demarco and having the music boxes um, be the little teaser for, you know, letting you know what's going on. Fantastic. I actually really like that. But it was really great to hear them talk about the mystery because uh, they recognized that it felt too disconnected um, between the the actual in-game content that you were working on and the stuff that they were doing outside of the game. And they definitely understand and empathize with the fact that a lot of us, um, myself included, felt that some of the time-gated content that they were putting out um, not only ran on a little too long, but it was also uh, a, a little too marketing for or, or marketing speak for me. And it's a shame too, because um, when I look at the team at, at Rare, I have to say, I really love everyone there. Anyone that I've met, anyone that I've encountered uh, either on the seas or in social media, every person that has been there with, I would say maybe, maybe like one exception. There's, there's one person, that, but they're not with the company anymore. Um, that, that has, has kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I think that was something that everyone kind of resonated with. And I'm not even going to go into it because it's not worth it. But I love the social media team, especially right now. I think the social media teams really killing it as much as i love the original crew that was there when when the game launched they did a fantastic job gave me some great opportunities to do stuff uh but i really do love the current community member or community management team i think there's some lovely people on that team but when they're putting out content that is time gated based on uh retweets likes things like that it feels like it's more about the um the metrics which is a fair a fair feeling to feel because part of it will end up being that whether that was the intention or not it does turn into marketing metrics at the end of the day because you're using social media there's not a way to get around that um but i did love the idea that uh, people were getting emails with little teases things like that that was fantastic now the the trouble was is that not everyone was getting the emails 
uh, at the same time. And some folks were getting the emails so late that by the time they got the email, the content was irrelevant because the community had already pieced enough together to be able to move into the next phase of the mystery. Um, so I'm really hoping that they uh, are, are they, I'm not hoping because they said that they had, they've received enough data to really take a look and see like what's going on with the mystery. How did it play out? What were some of the best things that the community liked about it? And uh, the thing that I do like is they want to see about building deeper levels within the content that is outside of the game. But they also want to make sure that the, uh, the, the game content feels just as satisfying as the content um, that is being taken place outside of the game, which I love. That's a great way to do it. I would really like it if they continued to invest in making sure that if you're playing the game, that you're cognizant of the mystery, that there is a mystery going on, that you're led to it, that you're taken around and, and said like, hey, this is what's going on. That's what Lorena's for. Lorena is the, the poster board for all of the new stuff that comes to Sea of Thieves. She's the one barking at you, telling you that there's something going on. So even if it's just a mystery, that should be kind of hush-hush. Letting more people know about the mystery right out the gate, right out of the tavern, is a fantastic way to engage a, a, a portion of the community who, A, love puzzles or ARGs, and B, love Sea of Thieves. So what you're doing is you're effectively building out the pool of knowledge. If people realize that there's a mystery going on and they like that kind of content, their ideas, their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions, their, their discussion points are valid. And if they get brought into the game and uh, in, in the mystery takes them outside of the game, then you're going to increase that community um, feeling. You're going to be building those bonds between people who are seeking out the content outside of the game and trying to understand like what's going on with this mystery. I found out about this mystery in the game. I want to know more more it'll push new players to the ARG out to other content creators who can then take them to communities to find a safe harbor during stormy times right so it's a really great way that they could take that really kind of showcase it well out in the game and I, I'm, I'm using my hands too much i'm glad you guys can't see this because i'm using my hands too much here um but uh I, I love the idea of of making the content for the mystery really really like aware ever present in the game while it's actually going so that way there's a a feeling of a start and an end something that i think the adventures do a great job of so i would say take the mystery definitely condense it down let's let's kind of shore this up let's shoot for like a, a maybe like six month time frame at the very longest but even that still feels kind of long just depends on how the community is doing as far as puzzles and given that we understand like the basis for some of the puzzles that we're going to be getting in the future given that you know some of these worked some of these didn't work i i 100 expect them to use um past things that did work for the community with the arg aspect of it to make a return for the second mystery i i 100 would be surprised if they went uh whole cloth with the next mystery and all of the different stuff that they could do about it because there was some fun stuff that they that actually came as a result of this mystery i just feel like they understand that it took a little too long and um a lot of people were starting to get to the point where uh they were actually just data mining the actual answer and and i love the the little jab that mike had in the podcast now it's, it's probably not a, a, a malicious jab it's more of a playful like 
hey, it's funny that the community did this. We have to learn how to make sure that we're staying ahead of that. So that way we can have the story go on a little bit better because there's still like a little bit of an un, un, misunderstanding about how the ending comes about. Um, and I know I talked about this in the past, so I, I, I you know, refer back to prior episodes um, to look up guides from Rare Thief uh, or Merfolk's Lullaby or Golden Sense blog post. Actually, I don't know if Golden Sense blog post has a, a, a guide up for that right now. Um, if they do, you should go do that because I know Dre and Jeff and them uh, work really hard on that as well, too. But definitely seek that out if you can. And I think I think you'll be pleasantly surprised uh, by the ending. Um, in fact, I think so, someone actually did it the other day and part of it was uh, not loaded in. And I made the bad joke of them having to actually buy the the rest of the mystery through the the Emporium. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that they are looking to really kind of uh, uh, take the lessons learned from the first mystery, mystery as they kind of move forward into the next mystery. We also got some really good feedback about the uh, pivotal choice with the community decision that came up with uh, New Golden Sands and whether we were going to save it or burn it. Obviously, we made the wrong decision, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, and well, I <laughs> take that back. I didn't make the wrong decision. I made the right decision. Everyone else made the wrong decision unless they were supporting me. Uh, but I do think that them talking about this was important because it was nice to hear a few different things. One, that they want to make sure that whatever the choice is in game, uh, the the process to enact on that, to to be able to do the thing that matters, to vote per se for this decision need to be equal on both sides. It's nice to have themed content around what's going on with the decision, but realistically, people are always going to go with the easiest path. So the best thing you can do is just make sure that you are doing something that is equal to both sides of it. And I'll be very curious to find out what those two sides, when is this mystery going to come in, or not mystery, sorry, uh, pivotal community decision, right? Um, I'm very curious to find out like when that's going to be, what it's going to be because it's it's one of those situations where mike feels like this is going to be one of the hardest decisions ever and um given that it wasn't the choice between duke or merrick uh i'll be i'll be very curious to see what in sea of thieves is so so loved what characters are so loved in sea of thieves that we would be willing to have to try and make a choice between one or the other. Like, I really can't think of who those would be because it's it's like Ramsey's is probably the highest or maybe like, I feel like Belle probably now is really kind of pulled some major sway in the community. I know she's my favorite goth queen uh, in Sea of Thieves, but there's like those two. And then I would probably say like Duke is up there, but I, I guess he's not part of the mystery unless, unless Mike lied to me, but I, I wouldn't hold it against him if he did, because honestly, like it's, it's, it's serving the, the story at that point. Uh, but I am very curious to find out like what characters are so integral, so loved by the community that losing one of them would be devastating and, and to give us that choice. Uh, very curious to find out what, what that's going to be. But good to hear that they want to make sure that the next adventure 
uh, or not adventure. I always want to call it an adventure. It's not adventure, but uh, the next pivotal or pivotal uh, community decision is going to be one that is on equal balance, uh, equal terms as far as what you have to do. Very important to me. Glad that they're moving forward with that. And I guess the last thing that um, I really got from the podcast was is that Mike still talks about how the golden age of piracy has yet to come. And I'm very curious because it feels like New Golden Sands is going to be uh, changing and probably for for the better, given that we saved it. I, I'm still hoping that that's the case. And it sounds like, you know, if we if we saved it in season six, in season seven, uh, there's the the lead up time. They have the, the the ability to make that choice. There's three months worth of development that they can do on that. And then as we get into season eight, um, then we're actually going to be jumping into what that content is. We'll actually see what the what the uh, results of our choice were and uh, realize that maybe we should have just burnt it all to the ground and open up a new portal to the Sea of the Dam that we can traverse in all the time and that everything on the uh, Golden Sands outpost is now undead or ghostly and we'll have a bunch of friendly skeletons like Salty or uh, ghostly people like um, the Tavern Keep and uh, band down in the Pirate Legend Tavern there, just on Golden Sands. Be fabulous. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I still like I'm still harboring a little bit of that, but that's okay. It's 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 my dream, and I'm allowed to have it. All right. Um, before I get into community feedback, uh, I wanted to say first off, thank you for that. But uh, there's some important dates that I got uh, that I want to let y'all know about um, because we did have the Twitch drops this weekend. Um, I'm very happy for those. They're very nice. I like them. Thank you for having the Eastern Winds Sapphire set. I love the look of them. And also thank you to those that that reached out to me to talk about it too. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm glad that the that the uh, the little Chrome uh add-on works for you very happy to see that i personally have been claiming everything automatically a really amazing add-on if you guys don't know go back to last episode i added and again sorry i know this is late coming but i apologize for last week's episode i don't know what happened with the upload but for whatever reason one of the tracks uh did not actually export properly and i went through the file and i was looking through couldn't figure it out. No clue what happened. Really weird. So I'm sorry if you listened to that uh, hour episode or, or however long it was, hour and a half episode of the music and then nothing and then the ending music because I really don't know what happened there. Um, but thank you again for those that let me know. I was really, I woke up in uh, a panic because <laughs> I realized it had been like five hours uh, when with the content um, being messed up there. Uh, but I did get you guys feedback. And again, thank you for the feedback. It's been good to uh, to read all your messages, even the, the really long messages and stuff like that. Some of it I, I may have to say for next week. I don't know if I have enough time to get into it this week, because um, honestly, this week I'll, I'll be 100 percent this weekend. I know I said it was good. Um, this weekend has been a real hectic one for me. There's been stuff going on in real life. If you've if you've been you know on social media or if you've been in the discord, you know what's going on. So I won't get into it. But it's been a really, it's been a really, really tough weekend. Um, but I'm, I'm still really happy that I got an opportunity to jump in, play the content that I wanted to play in Sea of Thieves because it was 100% worth it. Uh, but just to give you guys a heads up, 
the important things I wanted to let you know about, there are 15, well, less than, there's two weeks left on the ledger, okay? And there's two weeks left on the adventure. So make sure you're taking a look at your ledgers. If you haven't gotten them all done, make sure you're planning to go out and get that content done. There's one more month left in this season, which means you only have two more opportunities to get any of the ledger cosmetics that you may be missing for either this season or for a prior season, things like that. You have three attempts every season to get content if you're not caught up. You have three attempts to get this season's content uh, if you're if you're already caught up. Um, so 15 days, 14 days roughly since the the till the end of the month. Make sure you're getting some time in. Make sure you're focusing on this. This is your reminder. Go out there and get this stuff done while you're at it. Work on the the adventure because you got two weeks till the end of Herald of the Flame. So please, this is <laughs> I want you guys to I don't want you to miss out on content. I'd feel bad. Uh, but that's it for for that noise uh, for all that that noise um, as as far as the stuff goes. Uh, let's, gosh, I, I want to talk about the Herald of the Flame stuff. I really do, but I want to get to some of the content that you sent in, and a lot of you did send in content. So I I don't know if I'll be able to get through all of it this episode. Again, really big messages that you guys sent me. So thank you to to those that you did. Hey all, so I wanted to do something very different. Uh, normally what you'd be listening to right now is an ad break, um, but I'm forgoing the ad break for this episode because I wanted to showcase uh, some content that's gonna be coming up from a good friend of the podcast. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long period of time, you may recognize this person's name or you might recognize their voice. Uh, but this is actually coming to us from Bo, a.k.a. Captain Jorvik. Uh, they are coming out with a, a, a YouTube story is is best way to really kind of explain it. And they're working on, and if you don't know, they they produce music and podcasts for pretty much for a very long time and have been doing it as far as I know professionally for a long time. Um, but I wanted to kind of showcase their their content here because uh, they're looking to get some more eyes on it. And the reason why they came to me is because it is pirate based. Um, so if you've liked Captain Jorvik's content in the past, if you're familiar, you'll probably want to get an eye on this. So this coming Wednesday, they are going to be announcing Eversail Volume 1 the pirate's daughter and i have a little bit of a video here that i'm going to put in so that you can get an idea of what captain jorvik is talking about it's the godfather meets the sound of music but everyone's pirates but there's no singing the pirate's daughter is an immersive audio drama that tells the story of stella she's a young woman that was born a pirate raised by the church and is now forced to confront the father that abandoned her to a life of piety Meanwhile, across the sea, a young upstart pirate lord, Captain Ratch, seeks to unite all that sail under a black flag into a nation of pirates, with himself as the king of thieves. I love telling stories, and as dark as this particular one gets, it can be hard to believe that it all started on the first day of kindergarten. I was driving my daughter to her first day of school, and she was so nervous. The more we talked about the teachers or the students and making new friends, the more anxious she became. And I was pretty nervous myself. I mean, as any parent can tell you, it can be kind of nerve wracking dropping the kids off on that first day. So here we both are in the carpool line and we're way too much in our own heads. And so knowing that we needed a break, just a little bit of respite and escape, I did the only thing I know how to do. 
I told a story. Pirates have always been a source of fascination for me. In fact, earlier that year, the kids had actually got me a pirate hat for my birthday. And so as we're waiting in the carpool line, I began telling this legend of a world that then didn't have a name, but we ended up calling it Eversail. And it was filled with swashbuckling adventurers and mysterious sea witches. And every single day that we drove to school, we would add to the story. And at night, for bedtime, we would incorporate her sister. And it just grew and grew to the point where, when we finally got to the end, it was four years later, and the kids had essentially grown up with the story, and my wife was begging me to write this down so it's not lost to time. The Pirate's Daughter is not the story I told my kids. It actually takes place a couple hundred years before that, and it's a good thing. It's not a story for children. It touches on some fairly heavy themes, such as identity, religious hypocrisy, institutional inequality, and the generational tensions that can exist on what to do about it. But at the heart of the story is this young woman who's been so defined by her trauma that she finds herself now lost in her 20s, not knowing who she is. I would love to sit down and just start writing this story. And in fact, I've tried on a couple occasions, but I'm a dyslexic and we're not exactly known for our writing abilities. But I'm a firm believer that limitation breeds innovation. And while I don't know how to write, there is one thing I know how to do. Podcast. Pottery Studios has been a leading podcast company in the southeast of the United States for almost a decade now. So we've got a lot of experience in making really quality audio products. We also have this internal mantra, like since the beginning of Pottery, which is finding people with stories to tell and giving them a platform to do so. Now, almost 10 years in, I have a story that I want to tell, and I'm hoping that you'll be willing to help build the platform to do so. We've got an amazing group of voice actors that we've recruited for this project. We've got an incredible writer who's been able to craft the world into words. And here at findeversale.com, you'll get a chance to see uh, some of the folks that are working on this project right now because the pilot episode is already underway. And for those of you that support us, you'll actually be the first to enter into this world of Eversale through The Pirate's Daughter. I kind of see this process as part product development and part artistry, uh, you know, this blending of the two. I would love to just take the pilot and bring it all the way to series, but this Kickstarter is our way of finding out if that's something that you want as well. Here at findeversale.com, you'll be able to see how we plan on using the resources, as well as find some cool perks for supporting us along the way. And since it's a Kickstarter campaign, if we don't hit our goal, no worries, you won't be charged. But first off, thank you so much for believing in us. And second, I kind of hope we make our goal. So join us, won't you? Set sail for adventure as we try to find this world of Eversail together. All right, so let's get into some of the feedback that we got this week. It's been fantastic to see everyone's messages. Thank you so much for either reaching out to me through Twitter or Discord or email. Surprisingly, a lot of you decided to, to jump on the email this week. Uh, so I did want to go through a couple of the emails that I got. Um, just to kind of to make sure that you guys' voice is heard because I love, I love hearing from the community as well. So um, this one is actually from... Uh, another one of the Sea of Thieves streamers that's been out there, uh, he and uh, Livy um, go and they just murder as, as many people as they possibly can. So it's Desert Fox is the person I'm speaking of. If you don't know, then now you know. Um, they wrote in and uh, wanted to, to give us an email for this week. So uh, he wrote in and says, Ahoy there, Captain Logan. 
as promised, and much later than I had intended, here's a story for you. After my friends had logged out, I decided to take our massive store of supplies out for some pirate hunting. Initially, found nothing, so I, I portal hopped and landed on the weirdest server I've seen in a while. Two grade 5 reaper ships just hanging out at New Golden Sands Outpost, neither one of them moving, so I knew I was in for some fun. After sailing in that direction, I see two galleons still in the same position and in an alliance. I put my sloop in a wide circle around the outpost and fired myself out at them. Upon landing, I hear one yell, one of them is on the island, as a small swarm of them bounded to me, toward me. As a sword lord, note the sarcasm, I dispatched a few of them and started for the galleons. A few more on my tail meant a few more on the ferry, but not too long after. The onslaught dispatched me and sent me back to my lonely sloop, and I fired off again and again and again, until finally I found my sloop anchored. Bowsprit nestled deep into the port side of one of the galleons, and like a kicked hornet's nest, they were upon me. My struggle finally ended with the ethereal gong. Ethereal gong, sorry. <laughs> but not quite. Like the wind, I decided not to quit. I began again. My sloop moored at a fort and found the galleons have parted, one at Reaper's Hideout and one at Wanderer's Refuge. And I picked up a keg for each and set off again. Finally, reaching a small island relatively near Reapers, I spotted a rowboat and row the kegs over to our friends, who are likely done selling. But I think if I can take out this galleon, I can stash my keg there in case the other arrives. I come across a ghost ship, save for one hand for, from their crew. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Let me read this again. I came across a ghost ship. Save for one hand from their crew, I jolt, to jolt towards the lower deck keg in hand and set it off, and water rushes in. The remnant, clearly confused, comes to investigate, to which they find a bullet. After some time, gong. My mermaid escorts me back to my sloop, and with the heading still of Wanderer's Refuge, I lower sail. With the crew unaware of my presence, I start lobbing cannonballs into the galleon, and short, the panic of rushed feet arrive at the terribly damaged vessel. I loaded up blunder bombs and fire. Not even haste can help them now, as they are flung to and fro while the galleon sunk lower and lower in the water. Gong. Soon, swimming pirates fixate on my still floating ship. One of the left, one on the left ladder, and one on the right. The first gets a blunder bomb. The other, a spray from my blunderbuss. The third and fourth were just as easily managed as the first and second and fails at the might of the sword lordington the loot was easily collected as it seems like they only had enough to reach graper grade five but as the pirate lord says it's not about the gold it's about the glory and even with my initial failure it was a lot of fun to try play try play uh, try different play styles and come against stacked odds 
Keep up the good work. I appreciate having the Keelhaul podcast as a valuable resource for Sea of Thieves content. Hunter of the Shrouded Ghost. It's Desert Fox. Thank you, Fox, for sending this in. I know you've been working on it for a while, and I appreciate you sending in your story. It's a good tale, man. I probably would have stopped after a while after that first sink. Uh, probably given up on that. But uh, kudos to you for managing. This next one is going to be uh, a little bit longer of an email, but I did want to get it in here because the time was spent. And as always, I always want to try and make sure that I'm giving them the time. So this comes from Godhammer6. I'm going to leave their name out for uh, purposes that I haven't gotten permission to do it. And they wrote in and says, hi, Cap. I listen to your show most every Monday morning as part of getting through the workday. And a couple weeks back, I listened to episode 241. What is your time worth with Caleb? And I had thoughts, which I'm going to stop the email right now and say, I think everyone has thoughts when there's an episode with Caleb. Uh, going back to the email. Now, I'm extremely blessed with plenty of time to play the imaginary pirate game, most more than most people do, and I'm well aware of that fact, and do my best to be cognizant of the fact that not everyone gets to, ha gets, uh, to have double digits in free hours a week to set sail. I know that for folks that have an hour or two to kill a week, grinding out 50 sapphire ancient scales might be a week's long prospect. I can see where there is a that is a pain. Myself, I've just finished off my Merchant Alliance Animal Voyages and my Sunken Kingdom Breaths of the Sea, or Listering Bottles for those that are unfamiliar of the actual name of it. And I have also finished all 1,200 crates of regular and Devil's Roar cargo. Oof, the timing. These tasks have taken months and months to do, and having this episode come out when it did was conveniently relevant. Now, this is going to read like a tangent for a moment, but it'll circle back to everything. People often complain that there's nothing to do in Sea of Thieves. Done the tall tales, done the shrines and treasuries, cored out vault after vault, done Fort of the Dam until your eyes bled, sailed here, sailed there, fought him, fought them, fought her, made some friends, killed some friends, tucked for hours just to play shanties instead of sinking. I've done it all rare. All of it, they cry. And to be fair, that may well be they've done all of these things. Rare can only add new stuff to the game so quickly, but have they really done it all when they there are so many commendations to do? Because my playtime is in the four digits now, as far as hours, by the way, I'm adding that little bit in there. And I started in mid-2020, and I have not done it all. Heck, I only just hit Reaper 75 last week. I take my Friends of the Sea title seriously. So I'm going to come out with my thesis on the matter. Commendations, parentheses, quests, vows, or uh, uh, vows. I'm not sure what he means by vows. Uh, achievements, etc. Uh, end parentheses. In a game that the developers mean to last years should take a long time because working on them is a springboard to the adventure over the long term. My working on these merchant commendations has been one about one thing, giving me my play session a direction with which to focus my normally scattershot attention and a goal. Parentheses, make the number on the commendations go up. Did the number go up this session? Yes. Success. End parentheses. While I spend time on this organically, I've a fun distraction may appear on the horizon and pluck me away from my rapidly withering plants or my oddly indestructible snakes. 
I can go off on probably uh, a dozen side stories of things that happened while I was delivering animals or plants. World events, pirates sunk, pirates saved, pirates helped, an hour and a half long fishing derby even, all happened while I was running this or that from one island to the next outpost to the following sea post. When the distraction ended, I always had something to come back to. Now that they're done, I've got lost shipments to go. And when that's done, I still have to finish off my 250 completed voyages and so on and so forth. The important thing being that there's going to be a continual springboard of initial activities to get my session started, giving it a direction. And from there, I'll add even to my tally that evening or some organic encounter while occur will occur during the voyage that will provide me a fun distraction. But is this number too high? I say that comes down to how long do you think you'll be playing the game? I am in love with this game. First achievement for the game unlocked 7-27-2020, so over two years ago after a rocky start, that first Karen fight was rough, and for a little while I was among those who thought PvE servers would be a good idea until it finally clicked for me. I started to think about this game consistently now. It's easy, far and away my favorite game I've ever played. It's my GOAT. So long as it's in service, I will be playing it. That for Horizon... For <laughs> that, Forza Horizon 5, I'm always conflating those words, sequel to one of my other long-standing loves, couldn't even crack triple digits hours before Sea of Thieves suck me back in is a testament. So having years worth of goals to complete is attractive to me. Between the Gold Hoarders, Order, Merchant, and Athena, that's, that it's going to take a while to get the 4,000 nautical miles sailed and 1,000 voyages complete to get those respective commendations is an understatement. But it means I have a reason to get into the world instead of just aimlessly sailing and try to find the messages in a bottle and tattered parchments to get my wood slash fruit slash cannon crates means I'll be good to go until SOT2. Heyo! Perspective is key. I don't think that the number is too high because I plan to play this game for a long time and rare plans to run this game for a long time. Seeing as tens of thousands of players are still posting monthly emissary gains means the game is still experiencing a lot of traffic. So I do believe it will go for quite some time as well. So I see this as a marathon, not a sprint. Parentheses. Have you seen the how long to beat feature in the Xbox app on Windows? 585 hours for completionists is a wild number because I can't imagine having the laser focus and I finished my animals, end parentheses. For me, a thousand nautical miles sailed on gold hoarder business is fine if you spread it out over six years. Heck, I'll probably have it done by this time next year. Does it respect your time being the question? is one of those questions whose answers can only be subjective because the worth of my time can only be judged by oneself. For me, doing 1,000 nautical miles on Gold Hoarder business doesn't upset me because I want to be doing it. Playing an hour's worth of shanties on my boat, not worth it. Parentheses. And honestly, that was a good one to reduce down, and hours was way too long for that milestone. End parentheses. Your time is whatever you feel it's worth. If you want that commendation, you're going to put the time into it. 
I tried woodworking a little bit in the eighth grade. Wasn't for me. The lathe was terrifying. Wasn't worth my time or fingers. Should the threshold be lowered? I don't think so. These are years long tasks for you to work on while you springboard organically into other activities on the Sea of Thieves and again. I want tasks to do for years. Someone else might feel differently and go on a podcast and talk about it. But let's imagine that they go and do it. Drop the threshold by like, let's say half. 1,200 cargo crates becomes 600. 1,000 nautical miles becomes 500. These become doable and more approachable for a lot of people, yes. And you can now bang these out a lot faster. If you plan on playing this game for years, though, how long will this sustain you? Once it's done, will you go on to complain that there's nothing to do except this time it's for real? Where once there was a long-term activity, now there are only goals that you set for yourself. I'm really not the that creative a person. I don't spend thousand or I don't have a thousand-person Twitch audience forcing me to get weird and creative with my sessions. I could finish a Veil Voyage only using a cannon rowboat, and honestly, I might, just to say that I did it. But will I do it 10 times? Not if I'm not getting a title or a commendation out of that madness. A directionless, listless would overtake me, and I would probably spend less time in the game. A personal gripe, but the likely outcome nonetheless. It's tough because it's one of those questions that's not a real answer to, despite how Caleb is of himself when he speaks about it, because it seems we couldn't be further apart about uh, further apart when it comes to a consensus. Parentheses really does feel like he thinks he speaks for the community as a whole. Just my observation of the tone of his part of the conversation. Also, I was 100% part of crews that scuttled at the beginning of arena match to get more chain shot in parentheses. What works for one group of players definitely wouldn't work for another. I have a few serious gripes with where the game is at these days, parentheses, so long as the black screen times stay short, and parentheses, as I believe the game is in the hands of competent individuals who are trying their level best to create a fun and bug-free as possible experience. When things go wrong at the end of the day, it's a video game, not a heart surgeon. I'm not going to go ape on people trying to their best for getting something minor wrong. And if I felt the game was getting it wrong on what my time was worth, I would simply stop playing the thing I felt wasn't respecting my time or just not do the thing. Parentheses. Don't get me wrong, though. I don't think the conversation isn't worth having. End parentheses. Anyhow, that has been sitting in the back of my mind for the last couple of weeks, and I thought I'd get it down because I get what Rare is going for, and it works for me. Feel free to pass this on to Caleb. I'm here for rebuttals or not. His call. Thanks for putting out the show. It usually gets pride of place as uh, first thing I listen to on Mondays when I really need it. All the best. Godhammer 6. And they sent some really nice photos of their character uh, getting some of the, the really hard merchant commendations. And, and congrats to you because it's it does take a lot of time to do those. Um, and just to kind of piggy, piggyback on this, uh, for anyone that might be listening now, uh, I was the one that made the title um, for the episode, Was It Worth Your Time? Um, or, or What Is Your Time Worth? 
essentially. So if if you feel like he was making that question, um, I felt like that was the overall overall theme for the episode, not necessarily something he posed. Um, so just to kind of you know, if, if anyone was thinking like, what is your time worth? That was more from my feelings on the the episode as a whole and uh, the the discussion that we had. Um, so please don't go after him for that. Uh, but I do really I do really see this game as a, as a long-term game. Um, I don't play it at nearly as much as I used to because I've I've gotten a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do done and for me playing is about playing with friends now and uh, working on some of the things but really the story is the thing that pushes me forward with everything because I've I've gone around and sailed as much as I can. I've I've lost and made you know millions of gold at this point and uh, whenever there's content that comes out, I love playing that. And I still play at least, you know, once or twice a week for sure, because at, at the very most, it's one of those games that I love to just dip into. So a lot of the time I dip in, I'm usually offline solo on a sloop doing something stupid. Um, but I'm generally just kind of like trying to jump in for a little bit. And then usually in my weekends or when I, I sail with a lot of folks, if I can, but surprisingly enough, the more content you make, who knew? Uh, the less time you actually have to play the con play the content that you're or the the games that you're making content for. Um, so that's a that's a fun lesson there. Uh, thank you again for your thoughts. I really appreciated the email. When I read through it, I was like, "Wow, this is this is a lot." We're gonna we're gonna have to take some time on the uh, on the weekend for this one. Um, but thank you for sending it in to me. I I really appreciate it. Um, let's take a break. All right, now this last story we're going to get into, this is the last uh, email that I'm going to cover for this episode. Um, and I wanted to give you guys a warning because this is going to be talking about the adventure. So just a heads up, if you haven't done the adventure, probably now is a good time to put put a pause on the podcast. Uh, come back after you've done that, because after this, I'm going to be talking about my thoughts on the actual adventure itself. Um, some of the lore information that we got from it, just the, the general thing just to cover it since next week i think we're going to be a little bit busy with an interview so i want to cover my feelings on the adventure and kind of dive into that with you guys uh this episode so um this uh comes to us from uh donnie g i'm gonna hold off on the last bit just because i i didn't see um any preference to what you wanted to have as far as like being called out for the show uh and i just wanted to thank you for writing in again um you really it was nice to hear from you uh and i went and checked your other your other email last time and it was nice to get this one. So uh, you wanted to write in and have a story for us. So here's from the actual email itself. Uh, I have a new story for you about this current adventure. I believe this was uh, this is or was the case for any adventure that started and ended in the same location like this current one with Bell slash Stitcher does. So it could not be as fresh as I think, but it has never happened to me like this. I posted this to Reddit, uh, but if you wanted uh, an expert for the pod, it begins here. Uh, a buddy of mine and I started out the adventure last night. No spoilers. Uh, the first place and last place you go is to start it after Lorena uh, speaks to you with, uh, with you going to Liar's Backbone. Um, we rolled up and there was a lovely crew departing the island. We greeted them, uh, had a quick cheers, and they were on their way, informing us they had just finished the adventure. Also, one of them uh, spoiled who the Herald of Flame was, um, which was a, a pretty bad move from their point. Um, I will not ruin it for you. I'm going to be ruining it later. 
and we went on to find Belle and noticed the cave was open from the last crew. We walked right up to Belle and noticed that she had three prompts to begin the phase one, to begin phase two, fighting the Herald, or three, just to complete the adventure. We chose to complete the adventure, which immediately unlocked the memento and the deed for the completion, granting us the vest and for doing no work. We eventually decided to go fight uh, the Herald, which was truly an epic battle. I say all this to say, uh, if you want a short shortcut to the adventure, hang out at Liar's Backbone until someone finishes the adventure, go in before the cooldown stops, and boom, son, you've got it. If you want the title, you still have to go through uh, back, and, or you still have to go back to find the journals and scouts. But all I wanted was the collectible cosmetic. Sharing this for those that are lazy or perhaps get to the adventure late, that this uh, is an easy way to do it if you can time it correctly. Cheers, everyone. Uh, and then they go on to say, I'd run out of time the last three sessions to finish it. So this was a really welcome sor shortcut. I don't advise everyone to do this, uh, but it begs the question, if you wait outside the end location and observe another crew complete, uh, completing the adventure, it does seem like this will always work as long as you are within the cooldown window. I found that very interesting. Love what you do, man. The one show uh, is really tough gig, or the one man show is a really tough gig. But I really enjoy your perspective, honesty, or honestly, more than uh, when you have guests. Just you just get so passionate. Happy sailing, my friend. Um, and they're uh, just to shout them out too, since they decided to take the time. Um, they've been a podcaster since 2015, uh, and their show is currently on hiatus. But if you want to check it out, it's Craft Beers and Geek News. Um, so and they've been posting some videos on YouTube as well uh so thank you for that um and yeah uh this is this is going to be spoiler territory so i'm going to be jumping into the adventure i'm going to talk about my feelings and some thoughts on it um because I, I did talk a little bit earlier but i didn't want to talk about spoilers so this is where i'm going to actually dive into the actual spoiler aspect of it so if you haven't finished the adventure and you don't know anything about it you want to go in blind now's a good time to bounce uh just make sure that you come back so um you can see how your thoughts feel compared to mine so I went out and uh, I was I was on Friday or on Thursday afternoon, actually. Um, I wasn't planning on doing the adventure on Thursday evening. I was planning on doing it um, on Saturday afternoon. I'm actually really glad that I did it on Thursday evening uh, because I didn't actually get a chance to play this weekend um, with stuff going on and taking care of my family. Uh, but I do want to say that uh, I got to go out and sail with Zorvia, who is one of the Sea of Thieves community members who's very fresh to the game that we met up at SOT Fest and had a really good time. Uh, they invited me on to to do it because they had wanted to just kind of run through it again and happen to be uh, on at the same time I am, given that they live in the UK. So we jumped on and uh, they were already at Liar's Backbone and we're just kind of waiting for me to get home because I was out and about doing uh, chores and whatnot. So when I got home, it was nice to be able to hop on and see what was going on. Um, we got to a liar's backbone after Lorena, I found out later on, Lorena basically calls you out and says, hey, Belle's got something that she wants you to know about, which to me, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, having Lorena just say something so, uh, so familiar yet amazingly contextual is perfect. It is exactly how I want to feel when I come out of a tavern. I want to feel like everyone knows each other. Everyone knows the history that I have with the other characters, and they speak to that. I love that. It makes me feel like they're like, oh, hey, it's you. Hey, come here. Belle wants to hear from you. She's, she needs your help. 
that's what I, I love having that because it's like they know that I have a relationship uh, with other characters in the world. They speak to that and they're calling me to let them know that they heard from that other person that they need to see me. So I really love that. I think that's fantastic. Please continue down that route. Um, but when you start up with uh, Lorena, she'll send you to Liar's Backbone, like mentioned in the email. And there, uh, much like the teaser that we got previously, um, Belle is hanging out there and she is going pouring over books. And we finally found out what books she's pouring over and it's called the time of resurrection and it's going to be a, a a kind of a prophecy for um the the heralding in of uh of flameheart and it's kind of crazy to think that um for one that sea of thieves believes in fate because that is a very interesting question in and of itself if you want to get out and go down that that route but there is a a concept of prophecy uh where things are foretold and that things uh have have a sway as far as free will but inevitably everything comes down to fate you are fated to do these things so having um a herald of of the flames uh being foretold in a prophecy is very interesting to me that there that there is such a thing as fate and i do imagine that um this kind of falls in line with a lot of uh, common things or common themes when it comes to uh, pirates and piracy. They believed in bad luck and karma, things like that. They they believed in superstitious, uh, superstitious, super supernatural. I think it's supernatural uh, entities like merfolk and stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw that fate is pulled into Sea of Thieves as a lore narrative tool right so she's there kind of pouring over the books trying to understand the time of resurrection the prophecy that was foretold and uh the the prophecy speaks to the herald of flame or the herald of the flame and there's been some discussion that that bell believes this to be stitcher jim and she's pretty spot on given that she's in stitcher jim's uh hideout over on liar's backbone reading books about <laughs> the time of resurrection uh fate um uh, like like uh, uh kind of oh, i'm just blanking on the word of it but the uh the seance the uh the, the 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 ritual there we go ritual of uh being able to bring someone back right and um this was always the case of of like pointing and saying like where has stitcher jim been he has been gone for a very long time we've never understood like what happened to him ever since heart of the fire when he put his hand in the rage chest he disappeared and that was years ago. So uh, for all this time, he's still been present in Sea of Thieves. He just hasn't been seen and he's never returned to his uh, hideout. So we're never ne we've never been sure about what actually did become of Stitcher Jim. And it's fascinating to go through this because uh, Bell then goes on to enlist the help of Pendragon my favorite character and Pendragon's over on Devil's uh, Thirst who is trying to suss out what happened to Stitcher Jim after Heart of Fire so he bequeaths unto you for the I guess the time being so it's not really a bequeathing is it uh, he loans you the Sea of the Damned Lantern and you're then tasked 
to try and retrace the memories of Stitcher Jim. And ever presence, uh, or ever present as we've seen, um, Stitcher Jim, uh, and much like many of the adventures, is being scouted out by the Reaper Bones birds, these um, kind of Odin's eye, if you will about these birds kind of hanging out and observing everything. And as we follow along the path of uh, Stitcher Jim's history after Heart of Fire, you come to realize that the man felt betrayed. Uh, He felt like he had been cast aside and cursed. His arm was wounded and he decided to take a rowboat from Devil's Thirst down to Ashen Reaches. Uh, It was there that we found out that Stitcher Jim actually had a second layer. And this one was actually one that was down in one of uh, the the gold vaults um, that we found. And inside, you start to see all of these uh, skeleton, oh, I'm pausing on this word, runes, um, not ruins, but runes, uh, that you can make out if you spent any time in stitcher jim's uh hideout or if you've been uh, keeping up with the skeleton language as a whole you'll start to notice certain words uh that pop out like a braille or, or hieroglyphics and it says death to flame uh or death yeah i think it's death to flame heart um and it's very opposite of the language that stitcher jim has been speaking for a very long time he's no longer writing in just regular words in a journal uh he was but not anymore now it feels like his mind has shattered and his sanity is gone this curse has just twisted his his body to the point where he can no longer use both of his arms he's been hiding out in this hideout down in ashen reaches for years evading other pirates as well as Flameheart, but he's been plotting this whole time and his whole drive has been nothing but to bring down Flameheart, which to Pendragon at the time, as we're finding uh, this all out, is enthralled. He is ecstatic, elated, whatever E-word you want to use to describe, he's happy. He is looking forward to this. He is excited to see that there is another person on the side of taking down Flameheart, even if they aren't necessarily following what the pirate lord wants. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, as they say. So we decide to follow Stitcher Jim all the way up to the north side of the Roar to go visit Flameheart Sr.'s coffin. And I'm really excited about this because it's something that we haven't seen in a while. It hasn't been relevant since Seabound's soul when we went through the tall tale and actually helped Pendragon release the soul of Flameheart initially. Now, the skull itself was destroyed by the act of releasing Flameheart's soul. But in the trailer for this, and uh, we see, you know, later on, Flameheart's skull has been uh, crafted. It has been rebuilt. Now it's not a hundred percent there. There's obviously pieces missing, but it is still recognizable as Flameheart Senior's head. And uh, we find out that Stitcher Jim was greeted by the servant of the flame on Fetcher's Rest, which I believe is Fetcher's Rest. And I always, I always, I always mix up Flintlock Peninsula and Fetcher's Rest in my mind. So if I'm saying the wrong one, do me a favor. 
in your head, take a quick moment, take the word that you take, the one that you know is the correct one. And then just every time I say the wrong one, just insert it above your, your voice over my voice in that instance. And that way you're listening to your voice, but saying the words that I'm meaning to say right now, isn't that fun? Little, we're, we're playing imagination right now. Um, so I love that the servant has met with Stitcher Jim on this beach because it is it is a grand confrontation. The son of the man who cursed the other man is now confronting him in an effort to explain the gift that has been bestowed upon Stitcher Jim. And I can't help but just feel giddy because it's like, I saw what was going on. I kind of knew, like he he put his hand in the heart of fire. I thought he might've been dead. You know, the, the RPG tabletop game said that he wasn't, but we still hadn't heard from him. But clearly we know that the curse that bear that is uh, born from the chest of rage is one that enacts the creation of Ashen Lords. So I know what's coming. I can, I can see in the tea leaves what's going to happen. And I'm stoked because at this point, this, the servant of the flame has just kind of always been doing his father's bidding, right? We've never had another person in, in the, in the click per se. It's always just been the servant of flame. And now Stitcher Jim, who has been cursed, goes and meets with the servant of flame and the servant's like, look, you don't understand what happened. My father doesn't hate you. He didn't curse you. He didn't do this. He's bestowed upon you a gift, something Something that is just pure raging power. And that's for you. And Stitcher Jim is like, I haven't been forsaken. He's like, no, 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 no. You've been given, you've been given a, a gift that so many would love to have. You're going to be powerful beyond your imagination. And Stitcher Jim buys into it. He buys fully into it. And with the help of the servant, they able, they're able to um, take some of the knowledge that was recently learned as a result of the last adventure where we resurrect or we released the soul of uh, the great warrior. You know, they learned the the ritual of resurrection from Bell and the priests uh, the, of the ancients on the last adventure over on Plunder Valley because of those birds. If you ever saw the birds, they're watching, they're learning, they're taking these, these, uh, these findings back to the servant. So the servant is now teaching Stitcher Jim about these rituals, about how to bring back someone from the dead, how to how to enact the time of resurrection, right? So as you find this all out and you find out that Flameheart Sr.'s body is missing, there's a sense of panic and you decide to head back to Belle, who then tells you that this is the moment that she dreaded, that there needs to be a confrontation. You need to go stop Stitcher Jim, the Herald of the Flame. And to do so, you're going to have to visit Molten Sands Fortress, the fortress that no one ever likes. Um, so you head over there and now there's an Ashen Lord uh, wind uh, or Ashen Lord uh, tornado. Yeah, tornado in the sky, but it's different. It's a little a little different. And I think that's um, I actually think that's a, a technical reason why they did that, because they knew that people, if they saw it, and they thought it was an Ashen Wind, they might go ignore it. But thinking that it's a different ashen wind um, would help people cue in to know that that is one that is um, 
specifically for this adventure. Also, if you're walking out of Stitcher Jim's lair and you don't notice the giant tornado in the distance with uh, little green swirls and think, mm, that's not mine, you really got to open your eyes. I, I can't help you out any more than that. You literally walk out into the view of it. So uh, I thought it was really beautiful. I was looking forward to it. I, I logged into the game again when I when I did this the first time on the night of and saw that there was actually a tornado up and I'm like, hmm, I bet I know what that's for. And uh, so I kind of knew going into it that was going to happen, but genuinely very surprised that that it, it led to this. So after Bell uh, or after you explain what happens to Bell, Bell tells you you need to go confront Stitcher Jim. Very excited about that. Let's do it. Let's go. And um, she tells you to let her know when you're ready. And if you if you've done this in the past, you'll see the three options. You'll see uh, replay chapter one or replay the first chapter. Um, replay the second chapter or complete the adventure something now going back and looking at I actually really like i think that's a very smart thing especially for lore hounds like myself who just want to pop on and not necessarily go through everything but just want to hear like the very end because we only heard it the one time so i was very appreciative of that um i know it's not necessarily the uh the the way to go about doing the adventure if you happen upon there and you complete it and you don't do it that's not necessarily what the intention was but if it gets you what you want then you're and you're happy if it serves the purpose of making it easier for people who had a bad time i'm all in favor of that i have no problems with it you can still play through it naturally you just have to make that conscious adult decision to do that if that's what you want to do otherwise you can just complete it and make that adult decision and go do something that is actually worth your time if you didn't want to go through all the lore um, because maybe you're listening to this instead. Um, I lost my place. Where was I? I was talking about Stitcher Jim. So you go fight Stitcher Jim. You go over to Molten Sands Fortress. There's the thumping. The the war drums are beating. The the skull piles there. The skeletons are doing their little dance. And you walk up, and then the Herald of the Flame, Stitcher Jim, in Ashen Lord form, shows up, and I. I was just, I was in love that it, he looks so good. He looks so amazing. It's so great to see him in like that, that fully realized form. It was fantastic. And it does confirm that the trailer that we saw was actually prior to this adventure that he had already been working on Flameheart Senior's um, uh, thing, like in, in the time between when you start the adventure and then when you end it, there was a, 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 t a period of time where he worked on rebuilding um, Flameheart Senior's head and then took the body, obviously, to Molten Sands Fortress because we know that he hadn't changed, but he was still cursed at the time. So it was a little in between there as far as timing goes. Um, but it is it is effectively an Ashen Lord's fight. And much like Ashen Lord's, when the, the, the third phase comes in, they do the little falling meatballs attack. Uh, the Molten Sands Fortress actually explodes. It erupts because this whole time, uh, the the roars, the devil's roar has been silent. It has been dormant. And I actually really like it just to just to preface this. If there was ever a point where they could like pause it or you knew like when it was going to be done. I would love to go out there and not have to worry about stuff. So I'm trying to get time to be able to uh, go and work on Devil Roar commendations during this time because I think that we've seen a couple of things where like I think that the cargo crates might be bugged right now. They're counting for twice uh, than, than what they normally would count for. So good time to capitalize on this. And I'm putting this in here because it's in the spoiler section. So that way people that are adamant about listening about this content, you guys get that little trip. A uh, little tip, little tip, not trip. You don't trip over tips. You tips, uh, you tip over trips. Um, so, 
Sorry, that was stupid. Um, so you get to fight the Herald of the Flame, Stitcher Jim, as an Ashen Lord. I absolutely love this. This was a really fun thing. Uh, Zorvi and I had managed to scoop up like a bunch of Disney sticks. So we had a whole bunch of uh, uh, bubble wands on our ship. And uh, we hopped off and we started using them. And I was surprised at how quickly uh, we were able to defeat Stitcher Jim. And to think about it, a, it's easy because it's a two-week event. B, if you didn't have this thing uh, be as short as it is, then you'd start running into that World of Warcraft MMO issue where uh, so many people are doing the same quest and there's only one quest mob to kill. You would start have you would start having a queue of ships like lined up in a nice, neat little line leading all the way out to Liar's Backbone of people waiting to go and actually like go kill stitcher jim now obviously that's a good joke because there's only five ships per server so it'd be at most a, a line of four people right but it, bear with me for the sense of actually having the the fun idea of like a bunch of ships just slowly creeping forward and trying not to like bump into each other or, you know getting defender benders like while they're waiting to get up to the the molten sands fortress so that they could actually defeat their their stitcher jim and become the heroes of sea of thieves and stuff uh but it was fantastic to see. There's a little bit of loot inside the little the little cave down in there, but as you're fighting there, if you go down to the little cave, there's a firewall that is uh, normally where the the vault door for this fortress is, and it is preventing Pendragon from entering into the vault where Flameheart Senior's body, his uh, exhumed corpse, is. And once you get in there, um, after you defeat Stitcher Jim. It's fantastic because Pendragon gets this moment of redemption. He gets this moment where he gets to right the wrong that he did back in Seabound's soul. The pain that he feels for releasing Flameheart Sr. Being duped into this by Stitcher Jim way back in the day. Fantastic uh, wrap up to, to his story. So he grabs the skull and he's got the empowered sword of souls and he's trying to just like rip apart this soul and just or this skull and destroy it so that Flameheart senior cannot be resurrected and he does it it explodes into pieces and you cheer and you're excited and you scoop up what little bits of loot was in there for reasons unknown you take it and you head back to bell and you go talk to bell and she's like this is fantastic people are going to cheer your name the flame or pirate lord's going to be ecstatic he's going to be so happy and then pendrak and zooms in he's like i have some bad news when i went back to the fort to tie up some loose ends stitcher jim and flameheart senior's body were both missing and they're like oh no <laughs> like oh no it's not over yet and you kind of know it's not going to be over right? you kind of knew this we knew going that it wasn't going to be the end but if you didn't that was like a oh my god moment right the bad guy gets away for another another day um but it was fantastic to see like how pendragon was basically saying like this all began because of the the black witch me trying to save my crew it should end on the Black Witch, and it will. My crew are going to be dedicated to stopping Flameheart Senior. And it was great to think about that because in the coming season, we're gonna get a PVP focused event. It's gonna be tied around that. This event is ending right around the time that November kicks up where they're gonna start ramping up into the final adventure. And we're gonna be able to get that full on uh, thing. It's gonna be really amazing timing. So I'm very curious how this is all gonna work out because 
at the very end of this, they were talking about, well, when was the, when is the time of resurrection? Like, when is this thing supposed to happen, this fated moment? And Bell says it's a, a conflux of the two realms um, that pirates normally refer to as the Festival of the Damned. And I about lost it. I was like, no way, no way. Are they doing this? Are they actually tying it into the the event that we've had every single year that has been like, no, oh, just another reason to go kick uh, Grey Marl's ghost around. Not a big deal. We're going to go have some fun. Destroy a billion skeletons. Easy. We got this. And I was so excited at that because I was like, man, now they're taking events, things that were just cosmetic drives for the game, right? Content for the game in, in the form of like a let's celebrate Halloween. And now they're tying it into the lore in a very specific way because this event ends just before Halloween, right around the time of the Festival of the Dam in the game. Then in next month, the time of resurrection is going to be towards the end of the month because we have about six weeks left in the season. So that should give us two weeks to finish this, two weeks off, and then two weeks for that last event leading into season eight. The timing is perfect. I hope it pans out. I hope that it goes well because I cannot tell you how excited I am for this from a lore perspective just to be able to have the satisfaction of seeing what will happen between Pendragon and Stitcher Jim and the Servant, between Bell and the Pirate Lord versus Flameheart. Will the, will the, um, you know, this is like the, it's, it's like we're ramping up to the end here, man. Like I, I, like I knew we, we lost some time because of the season six, season seven delay, but that the flame heart story was intended to be done by the end of the year. So I imagine it'll probably bleed over into the beginning of the year, but I, I am excited, uh, at the prospect of what comes after flame heart, because we've been with flame heart for so long. We've been with him for so long. It's it's hard to imagine a Sea of Thieves without Captain Flameheart. You know, what would the world of Sea of Thieves be like without Captain Flameheart, right? So I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here. But the fact that they took this adventure, this adventure to me really did feel like it was an Indiana Jones movie. You get set out to go check something out. You meet with someone who then tells you to meet up with another person. That person leads you along uh, a nice little breadcrumb trail and, and explains things. Like as you go, there's explanation about what's going on. Like Pendragon's there. He's explaining like, oh, this is interesting for this reason. So if you're not in the lore, if you're not into what's going on, Pendragon is there to add the footnotes. And I, and that's, that's so key. That's so important to, to bring to onboarding on new pirates who are hearing about the story, but they're not fully um, engrossed in it, or they haven't been around long enough to understand who these characters are. And I love that Rare has done this. This is probably one of the most perfect adventures I've, I've played through. Um, and that's, and, and that's, it, it speaks a lot to the amount of lore that they're putting in. The last one uh, had tons of lore through the journals. It was exceptionally deep to understand where the ancients had gone, who are, who are they, that they had priests, that they had warriors that hung out behind to protect the Sea of Thieves. So much information about like the, the, the Sea of the Damned and the ancients. A beautiful story, beautiful lore that they're telling. And to have this one take me on this thing where it's like, okay, now that you've done the breadcrumb trail, you figured out where the Holy Grail is. Now you have to actually go and retrieve the Holy Grail. 
And the only way you're going to do that is if you survive the traps that are in that temple, you get to the very end, you find the knight, and the knight tells you to choose wisely, and you think about it, and because of the knowledge that you have already gained from this adventure, you're able to pick up that cup and know that it's the cup of the carpenter. That's how this adventure felt for me. I got there, I realized there was an issue, I followed the breadcrumb trail, we discovered the truth, we confronted the baddie, we completed the voyage, and it turned at the very end to give you that little twist to let you know that there was another adventure in the future, and I absolutely loved it. Man, I I can't say anything more about this adventure um, at this point. I, I think that they've really honed in what I hope for with an adventure i want a little bit of intrigue a nice little bit of mystery a good uh a good section of of action and then a little twist at the end to to toss me um into the into the throes of what's going to happen with the next one you know what's the next episode of sea of thieves going to be like you know this is this is like par for the course when it comes to writing a show like you want just enough excitement uh just enough um discussion to kind of push things forward with the story and then leave you wanting more at the end and i love it such a good job such good writing such good design outside of the fact that this was one of those things where the the tornado is visible to everyone um, that is the only thing that I really have criticism with because it was the one thing that I knew was new to Sea of Thieves and was probably tied to the adventure given the location. So um, if there was ever a way that you could phase that so that people didn't know that you were working on it at the time because that way it didn't get spoiled, um, that would be the only thing I, I could really look at this and be like, mm, that's the one thing that I rubbed up against, but everything else I, I legitimately loved. I thought it was fantastic. I'm here for it, and I hope you guys are too. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, this is going to do it for the episode. This was the end. We got all the spoilers out there. I'm seriously looking forward to uh, the the next adventure and whatever comes with season eight because I, I feel like it's going to be an all-out faction war like World of Warcraft, and I keep saying it, and I think we're going to get it, and I'm looking forward to see how it turns out. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. So if you guys like this content, thank you, first off, for listening. Secondly, um, if you have a chance, this is on YouTube as well. Thank you for the 500 subs. I really appreciate it. I, I have... I've never thought that was going to be the case, but it is. So I, I'm thankful for that. Um, but thank you for listening on YouTube. Thank you for listening on Spotify. Patrons, thank you for listening to to this. If you're if you're you're hearing your version of this, uh, but thank you so much for everything. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, there's plenty of ways to do so. Head over to Twitter at Twitter. Uh, you can find me at CAPT underscore L-O-G-U-N. If you want to put an email in the way that um, the other folks this episode did and others others in the past, you can always do that. C-A-P-T L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. Again, I read everything. Not everything will make it to the episode, but I do read everything, even the comments. Um, so and other than that, there's the Discord. Uh, the Sherpas have been a little quiet lately, but they are still active in the in the Discord. So if you're looking to get help with stuff, um, you can look to see about scheduling timeout with the Sherpa program um, to make sure that if you if you want to learn how to play the game or if you need help with things or you want to try and understand something, they're there to try and educate others as well too um, and try and make it as as inviting as possible so the discord is a great place just to hang out i am still um deep within the sea of thieves art club uh i have been having a ball 
uh, working on the different art pieces for the the month of October. Um, I just completed yesterday's, which was map. I was very happy with uh, things of uh, how that's been going. And I've been dabbling a little bit into emotes as well, too. So if you're a streamer and you don't have a Sea of Thieves lurk emote, um, I put a post out earlier today that actually has a lurk emote. It's just a guy in a barrel and all you can see is his eyes and it just says lurk. Um, you're more than welcome to take it and use it. It's free for anyone that wants to. It's just out there on my disc or out there on my um, uh, what's it called Twitter account. Uh, so and I, I post a lot. So just be aware that, you know, you, you want to search for Sea of Thieves, Captain Logan and, and lurk and you'll probably find it that way easier than trying to go through all my posts. Uh, but I, I just want to say, like, I've, I've been having a really good time with this art club. It's been um, adding a layer of content creation that I did not expect. And I'm hoping I can try to continue to improve my drawing skills, get them back up to what they used to be, if not better than when I was active in art school, um, so that I can try and maybe do some more emotes for folks. Because I want to do one that's like ad break, but it's Sea of Thieves related. So I got to think about that and just come up with some different ideas. But um, thank you to everyone that's been uh, liking the, the posts from the art club. And if you're an artist and, and you want, there is an art channel in my Discord, but I would also push you to go to the art club, the ARRT club uh, for art club uh, Discord as well, where there are a lot of really talented people posting some fabulous art uh, that is all based off of like either what they're working on or the prompts that have been coming uh, as of the the Inktober contest or not contest, but you know, like challenge. Um, so but with that, that's going to do it. So thank you all to you who are just listening to to those that are commenting, sending in your stories. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, with scheduling willing, I'm still looking to make sure that I try and get beer to get in on the podcast. Um, that should be something that happens next week as long as everything goes well. Um, if not, I'll probably just jump in. We'll do another episode as usual. Uh, and I'm just glad that you guys are here. I really am. I've just been having a real, real awesome time with the Sea of Thieves community lately. It's been amazing to see everyone doing stuff. And I hope you all are having a fantastic weekend and a fantastic week. So pirates with that, thank you. I love you. And I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves. state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta. People never stopped loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, Two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart and their epic struggle for survival. 
Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of 2, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. Are you interested in keeping up with all the latest gaming news, but you're just too busy? Well, I've got the podcast for you. The Robots Radio Show is a daily gaming news show where I bring you in a quick format all the top news about video games, nerd culture, and even the best deals. You can find the Robots Radio Show on Spotify and Apple and all the different podcatchers, and you can join me live, twitch.tv slash robotsradio at around noon Eastern every day. Come talk about game stuff with me. Again, that's the Robots Radio Show, available everywhere.